Praise the Lord Church. My name is Jesse Ainebiona. Professionally, I trained as a mechanical engineer. Currently, I'm an entrepreneur. I run a distribution business. I'm also a corporate trainer and a global speaker. I'm also an upcoming author. I recently graduated from Coach Masters Academy as a certified professional coach. I serve with Inspired Leaders International. Inspired Leaders is an international leadership development firm that empowers leaders to transform nations. I serve there as the training and development associate. At a personal level, I'm married. My wife is called Diana. Together we serve in the children's church. She teaches what we call the Bengers. The Bengers are the zero to five. And I teach uh, the people we call the judges. Those are the people who are P5, P6, P7. So we have two daughters. Ruby is seven and Moriah is four. I love the Lord. I came to Christ in the year 2010. And ever since then, my life has never been the same. I'm a born of Kamwezi in Richiga district. And uh, that's where both my parents come from. They live and work here in Kampala. And they also love the Lord. And as a family, we are grateful for many things. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and we give you praise for this evening. We thank you for this time. And we pray that, Lord, as we unpack this rather tragic and difficult passage, I pray that, Lord, you will help us to appreciate how we can become solutions to elements of darkness in our own families. Be with us, Lord, and silence every other voice. Point our thoughts to you, that, Lord, we shall listen to you and we shall take things that we are going to apply in our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Many times when I read a story on social media, Facebook, Twitter, after reading the story, I like to read the comment section to see what people are saying. If this story was probably posted on one of the social media places, probably in the comment section you would find something like, so sad, so unfortunate, how sad, tragic. As I was reading through this passage, quite honestly, this is the lowest, this is one of the low points in the family of David. But like we did in school, there was always the rise and the what? The fall. That said for David is a bit different, that even while this was a low season in his family, he is still a man after God's own heart. And that is something that we need to appreciate. So today we are talking about elements of darkness within the family. Now when you think about darkness, when you think about darkness, I think about sin. I think about evil. I think about ignorance. When you think about darkness, a dark place is something that is not nice. And now we are saying elements of darkness within the family. Now, looking at this passage, what were some of the elements in David's family? Many of them. One of them is a negative association. There comes a young man called Jonadab. Jonadab was a cousin to David. Negative association. And maybe you're here, you are a parent. Do you know who your children hang out with? Negative association. I went through St. Mary's College, Chisui, and uh, in the year 2000, I was informed too. But to this day, there is a dot in my file that Jesse was on suspension for two weeks for stealing school bands. 
Why? It's not because Jesse is a thief. It just happened that one day we were outside two days from Chiromo, you know, the last day of school. So we were all outside and we said, but guys, we are all hungry. We don't have money. There is a van of bread. So put the two together and see what you get. So all of us went in, got a, bar, a socket of buns, and we thought, you know, because we are many, nothing will happen to us. Cut the long story short, 22 boys were all put on suspension for stealing school buns. Association. They say, bad company corrupts, good morals. In this story, we see a lack of discernment. Lack of discernment. David, David was told, your son is not well. So he told him, so what do you want? You know, what do you want? Many times when we were sick, they would ask us, so my son, what would you like to have? And anything you would ask, they would give you. This is what David does. And I don't know what Tama thinks after all this happens. I don't know whether Tama thought that maybe the father was involved in this conspiracy. But David did not know. And many times, we as parents, we, we, we lack discernment. Let me tell you something. Many of the sexual abuse cases originate from a family member. It could have been a cousin. In this case, it was a brother. When COVID happened in 2020, it, and it brought out some of the underlying factors, even in the family. And many of the abuse cases that were reported against young girls, most of them, about 90% of them, were done by, by their parents, by, were done by their relatives. You just drop your daughter to uncle so-and-so, and you think uncle so-and-so is innocent. You have no clue. You just think that these two are cousins. Nothing will happen. Who told you? Blood knows no relationship. You just think people are just together. They are young. You will be surprised if you sit down with an eight-year-old, the things they would tell you. It is appalling. Lack of discernment. Lack of discernment. We think people are, young people are just together, and we think they are okay. David lacked discernment. Tama lacked discernment. We see deceit. Amnon deceives Tama and says, just prepare for me a meal and serve me. We see deceit. We see rape. We see hatred. Immediately he does this thing with her. He hates her. And that questions whether this was really love or it was lust. We see revenge. We see murder. At the end of it all, what happened is this boy, Amnon, when the girl goes back and tells the brother, Absalom, we are told that Absalom kept it for two years. And after two years, Absalom called his cousins and said, let's have a party. So they gather. And when they all gathered, he told the guards, seize that boy and kill him. We see murder. But what is the root of all this? If you go one chapter behind, we find that King David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was confronted by Prophet Nathan. Prophet Nathan came and spelled out some things in David's life. He said, first of all, the sword will not leave your house. The sword did not leave his house. Prophet Nathan told him, one of your own children will sleep with your own wives in broad daylight. Absalom did it. The bottom line of all this is that this began with sin. And while this passage happened many years ago in Israel, what is happening in Uganda today? In Uganda today, we see a lot of darkness around us. In Uganda today, we see children who are molested by their own family members. 
in Uganda today, we see absent parents, permissive parenting. Whether, where a child says, can I have this? Okay, you have it. The other day I was in the gym with our daughter and she said, Daddy, can we buy that toy? I had the money. I could have bought it. But I said, let me teach you a lesson. Many times when we are going to buy things, you notice that we write a list. So when we got up today, we didn't have this on our list. So today we shall not buy it, but let's go home and agree if we need to buy it. Next time we, we, we agree to buy it, we shall buy it. I was teaching her that you cannot always have anything you want. Because I know people who want gadgets. And the day they got their first salary, they walked down Kampala Road, paid for a gadget, and even left a date. Why? Because as children, they knew anything I want, I can. Permissive parenting. You see children throwing tantrums because they know it will work and the parents fall in for that. We see a lot of permissive parenting in the Bible. When Eli had children that were going out of line, they used to take food that was consecrated for the priests. He did nothing about it. When Absalom, when Amnon did this, David did not do anything about it. When Jacob's sons went and revenged against the rape of dinner, he did nothing about it. When Jacob's son went and slept with his, with his concubines, he did nothing about it. Let me ask you something. You are a father, you are a mother. What is happening in your house that you have chosen to keep quiet about? Because when you keep quiet about it, it is like a cancer. It will spread. It's just a matter of time. It will spread. We see disunity and rivalry. We see backstabbing and mud slinging in the media within family. Media is a wash of family members fighting and killing one another. It is not news to us. We see competition and comparison among spouses. Who has a better job? We see competition and comparison among, among siblings. Who is doing better? Who is driving which car? Who is taking children to which schools within the family? We see generational circumstances. We see families where some things are being passed on. Some in some families, they don't get married. When they get married, the marriages don't last. When they get married and they, get, they don't get pregnant. When they get pregnant, they don't carry the pregnancy to, to last, to, 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 to completion. We see a lot of generational things happening. Let me tell you something, it is time to wake up. It is time to wake up. Back in school, the school was called St. Mary's. It was a Catholic school. There was a day, the day of St. Mary's was a feast day. And indeed, it was always a feast day. When you look at all these things, you would imagine that the devil is having a feast. But I want to tell you that the God we serve is not asleep. The God we serve is not asleep. The God we serve is not asleep because I was, as I was seated, I was asking myself, probably many of us, if I asked how many of us are from the same family, few of us would put up the hand, which means that all of us here represent different families. If each of us could become an agent of light in your family, we can make a difference for generations to come. In the few minutes remaining, I want to ask you, what darkness exists in your family? What darkness? Is it a financial darkness? Is it a relational darkness? I used to have a, not a nice relationship with my dad. And I didn't know until I was, we were just married, and then we went to visit my father. I think because we are five boys and one girl, my dad was so tough on us, and I think it grew up with me subconsciously. So because of that, I, 
I, I only used to answer yes, no. Yes, no to him. So one day we visit and we are seated at home and my father, my wife is looking at me and my father and we are not talking. We are just seated there looking at the screen. Then he gets up and goes to shower. My mother comes. Now, when she came, another version of Jesse popped. Uh-huh, so how is home? What is happening here? How have you been? How is the shop? You know, so we began to chat. And then on the way back home, she said, Jesse, what is there between you and your dad? There is something I don't understand. I had not known that there was something between me and him. I began to pray about it. About last week, I just made a courtesy call. And the relationship has changed over time to a point where we can talk and chat and talk. And I just made a call in the morning to say hello to him. We were just chatting. I looked at the call length. It was 17 minutes just to say hello. Things can change. Things can change. So in case you are here and you're thinking, but ha, it's all gone. No, it is not. When Jesus lay on that cross and said, it is finished, he said, it is finished. So I want you to believe that whatever darkness there is, whether it is a financial darkness, whether it is a family darkness, whether it is a health darkness, whether it is I don't know what kind of darkness exists in your family, I want to believe that God can begin a new thing in your family through you. Through you. And let me tell you something. The world over revolutions are not made by a group of people. They are made by one person. Please don't wait for someone else. Be the one. You don't need a title to do it. Be the one. Be the one. There are four things I want to suggest that we can do. And maybe before I go to the four things, what causes this darkness? What causes it? Five things I just want to think about. Number one, what causes it? Sin. In the case of David, by the way, you just need to know how David's sin, David's sin, that one thing that he did with Bathsheba, if you could, we used to call, in physics, we used to call it extrapolate, where you extend something. If you could just take it across and see the implication of this one thing. One thing. So David's sin with Bathsheba, he is told your child will die. So the, first, the child died. Solomon is born. When Solomon is born, what does he do? He has 700 wives and 300 concubines. You see that? Now, after Solomon... Most of those wives are the ones who took his heart away from, the, from him. After him, the kingdom is divided. And most of the kings that came after Solomon were all killed by the sword. Was it worth it? Sin has consequences. And that's why we cannot underestimate the power of the enemy. Please don't underestimate the power of the devil. Please don't. The Bible says he that is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The word used is greater, which means both of them are great, but one is? So that means he's not weak. The devil came to Jesus, attempted, tried him three times, and after that said, and he left him until an opportune moment. The devil is never asleep. Never asleep. When you are tired, and you give your phone to your child, ah, you have and be relaxing. Ah, the devil is not sleeping. In that cartoon on that phone, the devil is awake. The devil is awake. When you are at work and you get cozy with this workmate, yet you have a husband, the devil is awake. 
when you go on a work trip and you find fun at having this chat with this guy, yet you have a husband and a wife at home, the devil is not asleep. The devil is not asleep. The devil is not asleep. And by the way, even churches are not exempt. Don't think that churches are exempt. No, no, no. The devil is not asleep in church. Judas walked with Jesus for three years and he missed the point. So being in church is not, is, is not the solution. Back in the day, back, back, back in the day, there was a boy who used to play drums here. Here, he used to play these drums. His father fell sick. And we trusted God that his father would be well. His father never made it. The boy said, the God who loves me would never have taken my father. That boy became an atheist. In church, became atheist. We were brought up, my siblings and I, going to church. One evening in around 2018, we hosted a meeting at home, and my father stood up and said, but I want you to help me and talk to Jacob. Jacob is the one who follows me. He's no longer going to church. Jacob stood up and said, I would like to let you know, all of you here, that for me, these things of God, I have first given them a break. I want to first understand them. The boy was in church, but he missed the mark. We are still praying, by the way, that God, in his own time, because a, a person of 30 years old, you don't just say, go to church. Uh -uh. Even if you force him to church, you will not force him to take in the word. So being in church is good, but it's not enough. Sin. Secondly, negligence. Negligence and permissiveness, the one I talked about earlier. Thirdly, busyness. We are so busy. And let me also tell you something, by the way, that for people like most of us here, the devil knows you, so he will not bring you bad things. No. Bad things are like alcohol, smoking. I, I, I guess most of us here don't do that. Okay? What the devil will do for you is here, is he will distract you, not with wrong things, but with good things. Do you know good things? Is coming to church bad or good? It's good. But let me ask you, if you're here on church to, on church on Sunday, on Monday you come for fellowship, on Tuesday you have Bible study, on Wednesday you have midweek, on Thursday you have Christian women, on Friday you have overnight, on Saturday you have mother's union, on Sunday you're back to church. When do you be with your husband? When do you, do, when do you be with your children? Good things. Good things. That's why even some people in church, their children are going astray. Good things. Good things. Nothing wrong with being in church. Nothing wrong with volunteering with Rotary and Compassion. Nothing wrong but the destruction of good things. Good things. Good things. Our own actions. The things we do. Sometimes we are the cause of our own challenges. We are the cause of our own darkness. The things we do. The things we do. You mistreat your wife and you expect your, your son to do what? You say ill about men and you expect your daughter, your daughter to do what? Our own actions. We disrespect some people and you expect our children to do what? And then there is this one, the fifth, our inactions. You are a good person, you don't do any of that stuff, but it says that all it takes for evil to prosper is good people to do nothing. Nothing. So our inactions. So the question is, how can we overcome these elements of darkness? I want to suggest four things, and then I'll sit down. Number one, you cannot fight darkness if you're in the dark. 
So number one, a right relationship with God. Right. And I'm saying right intentionally because I know a certain couple that I looked up to for a very long time. I think they were married for like 20 years. Guess what? The devil is not asleep. The woman was going to a certain church fellowship. I don't know what. Somehow the pastor convinced the woman that that man you have been with for all these 20 years is not your husband. The woman, corporate, high executive, left the marriage. Left, I think there are four children, behind and moved on with the pastor. Yes, right relationship. The issue here is right. Now, how do you know a right relationship? There are two determinants. By the way, in mathematics, we used to have, in math paper one, we used to have numbers like prove that A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Prove. Now, in the same way, don't just come and say, a right relationship with God is not, praise the Lord. It's not the, the sticker on your car. I got to all saints. It's not the ringtone we hear. Eh? When they call you and their phone starts ringing. Huh? Well, that is good, but it's not a sign of the right relationship with God. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. That is the litmus paper for a relationship with God. That is where the rubber meets the road. If you love me, you will obey my commands. There are so many people who claim to say, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, until they're asked to obey. They say, there is a miracle waiting on the other side of obedience. On the other side of obedience is where the miracle is. So, most of us are waiting for God to do something, but we are not ready to do something. We are waiting for God to do his part but we are not willing to do our part. When you look at a check with two signatories, where bo both people have to sign, you cannot get the money when one person has signed. You get money when both people do what? God is waiting for you to sign. Many times we say, I'm waiting upon the Lord. He's waiting upon you to do what you know you are supposed to do. So the right relationship with God means reading the word and obeying the word. Please, this business... Coming to church is good, but if you're not in the Bible, I promise you, you are not a complete believer. Because we get to know the Lord through the word, and we get to appreciate the word when we walk in obedience. So number one, the right relationship with God. And number one qualifies us for number two. Number two is pray for yourself and your family. Pray. Pray. Why do I say number one? The right relationship with God helps you to pray effectively. Why? Because James 5.17 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My mother for a long time prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for us as a family. My dad, on the other hand, we grew up in church. He was chief church warden, you know, head of lady in our village church, you know. So when we came here to Kampala, somehow life got busy. So somehow, you know, sometimes we'd say, let us pray. And we say, you know, <laughs> you know those things. I'm tired, so please, eh? please. 
as fate would have it, COVID hit and he got it. Over 70, high sugar levels, gets diabetes. Ah. Yeah, that was a moment. That was a moment. We cannot forget December 2020. We cannot. Because he said, in fact, there was a stitch he got, he said this one was taking him. But one night, my dad was sleeping, he woke up in a dream. So the dream was, he was following some people, he, then they disappeared. He was left alone. He slept again, woke up. Same dream, appeared twice. And whenever the people would disappear, there was a voice that would say, David, David. He's called David Urai. David. David, my, my, my father, got up on his knees and prayed the prayer of repentance. Let me tell you, sometimes you wonder how some people will come to Christ because people just say, you need to preach to your father. Now, I would be thinking, now, how do I start? This is the one who told me to go to church. He was our church warden in the church. Now, how do you start? That Jesus died. You mean he doesn't know that? But God himself came for him. And that's why I'm saying pray. Because you don't know how God will work. It might be through a dream. It might be through his friend. It might be through an encounter. It might... God has a million ways he can do things. Don't even calculate him. Don't calculate him. You just pray. That boy that has refused to come to Christ, pray. Simba Hasamaj Oshabi. That's it. Just pray. That husband, pray. That wife, pray. Those parents, pray. Those grandparents, pray. Just put your knees on the floor and talk to God. In his own time, in his own way, he will sort it out. Pray for yourself, pray for your family. Number three. Number three. Repent. 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 If there are things we know have happened in our homes, we know them. If there are things we have not repented about, stand in the gap and say, God, forgive us as a family where we have deserted you. Forgive us as a family where we have become lukewarm. Forgive us as a family where we have embraced idolatry. Forgive us. There is a lot of witchcraft. A lot. People go to church on Sunday, but let me tell you, I think, I think, this is just my thought, I think the witch doctors have more attendance than churches. They say, a research was done, that majority of the people go to the witch doctors are women. 90% of the reason they go to witch doctors are men. So who is the problem? All of us. Repent. Repent. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says to 16, chapter 7, verse 14 to 16. If you can project it, please do. And we'll read it together as I conclude. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 to 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. In case you're there, we can read it together, okay? Okay, right there it comes. Ah, let's go. One, two, three, go. If my people, uh-huh, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin 
and will heal their land. That's the promise. God is going to heal the family. God is going to heal all this wretchedness. God is going to do amazing things. This business of saying that in our family, they don't get married. In our family, they don't get children. In our fa- That must stop. When God said it is finished, he said it is finished. Repent and trust God. Number four, last but not least, be intentional about your family. Be intentional. If you are here and you are a father and you have young children, be intentional. Go home and spend time with your children. I was speaking to teachers recently and they, one of them said, they asked the children to draw their fathers. So one of them drew a picture of the, of the back of the head. Ah, the, back, the back of the head and the back of the body. He said, what is this? This is my father. What exactly do you mean by this? I already see him living, so this is what I know. This is what I know. This is what I know. Be intentional. When you have a garden, if you were previously... I mean, guys, people get married and they want to continue living the way they were living even when they are married. No! Now that you have a family, go to your family. Spend time with them. Already you spend enough time at work. Now by the time you go home, the children are asleep. When will you build memories? When will you... Let me tell you something. One of the things I appreciate is just the time I spend with my daughters. Because in that moment, I can say, her, Ruby, you don't talk like that to your sister. The reason I can call out that is because I saw it in real time. If I was absent, I would not have seen it. Intentionally. Be intentional about your marriage, about your parenting. Wives, be intentional. We can easily be together and yet we are so apart. You are at work, you are working. You go home, you are checking your Facebook. You are checking your Twitter. You are both there, but you are apart. We are still alive, but our children are becoming like orphans, yet we are still alive. We are still alive, but our wives are becoming like widows, yet we are still alive. Women, you're still there, but your wife, your husbands are becoming widowers, and yet you are, you're still alive. Intentionality. Intentionally call your family once a month and say, let us pray. Whether five people come, it's okay. Pray. Start something. Be intentional about your family. Don't leave it to whom it may concern. Be intentional. Be intentional and start something for the sake of bringing your family back to the things of God. So in conclusion, we have said, number one, a right relationship with God. Reading the word and walking in obedience. Number two, pray for yourself and for your family. Number three, repent. Repent. Because God and sin are like oil and water. They don't mix. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross for that moment, God forsook him. That's why he cried and said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? That was the heaviest thing for Jesus because all through creation, since creation, they were together, one. And for this moment when he took on the sin of the world, apart because of our sin. God and sin, don't mix. Don't be casual about sin. Repent. Because sin has consequences. You saw it with David. What he did culminated into the children and the generations to follow. Sin is sin. It is serious. Don't be casual about it. Take it seriously. 
And lastly, we have said, be intentional. Do something. Be intentional as a parent. Be intentional as a husband. Be intentional as a wife. Be intentional as a mother. Be intentional as a child in the home. Even if you don't have a family of your own yet, do something for your bigger family. Remember them whenever you go to pray. That way, I believe, God will help us to be agents of change in our families. May the Lord help us.